I'm going to assume everyone here has felt imposter syndrome and yeah. the effects of it. I have. At least 100 times. Yes, for uh, sure. Today, you mean, right? Many times today? <laughs> a Welcome, everybody, to the Scene Hall Undergraduate Leaders Podcast. My name is DJ Matos, and today we are thrilled to have Amy McLinn and Limor Elman on as our guests. Amy is a ghostwriter for career, leadership, and executive coaches. She has written articles on everything from salary negotiations and interview secrets to intergenerational workplace issues and effective corporate leadership. Limor designs and facilitates workshops in academic, corporate, and nonprofit settings that help individuals and teams embrace change that sticks. Lee Moore owns a consulting firm and even guides college students to see their successes. Amy, Lee Moore, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having Thank us. Thank you so much. Yeah, so to start off, can you explain to listeners what imposter syndrome is and how you started to work in this area? Imposter syndrome is an interesting phenomenon. It refers to people that have a persistent belief in their lack of intelligence or, or skills or competence. Um, it can be in a certain area or it can be generalized in, in all areas, you know, just kind of feeling like an overall anxiety about it. And most of the time with imposter syndrome, we, we don't take our own, we don't take our own power into what we do. We, we give it out to everyone else. Well, I had a lot of help is sometimes what people will say, or it was, it was luck. I, I didn't really do that well, but it was just luck that I kind of made it through, or I had some great connections, you know, so that's how I got successful. So that's what imposter syndrome is. You can have it, like I said, sometimes you can have it all the time, but about 70% of the population have it at least once in their life. Yeah. And what drew me to create this kind of workshop with Amy is the, the notion that this imposter syndrome is what holds back college students and professionals from really feeling the success that they've earned. And I, too, am a recovering imposter. I have been successful in many areas but at times, I have chalked it up to being in the right place at the right time mm -hmm. or working really, 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 really hard. Mm -hmm. yeah. Not just working hard, which I value, but like working like so intensely, not, not putting the stuff down and going to bed, right? And, you know, I saw that I was starting to really think of my, myself as a fraud, as a fake as uh, somebody who would go out there and try and do things, but there's no way. And deep inside, the thoughts would be, ah, oh, there's no way, Limore, you're going to be able to do that. They're going to find out. And so as Amy and I work together with individuals 
to understand, you know, their their own achievements, we encountered this more and more and more and decided to put a, a workshop together. Absolutely. It's really common. And when you don't own your success, you don't seek out more success. And so for me, that was my reason to want to do this workshop and engage more people in this type of work, because our great work needs to be out there in the world. You know, we need more inspiration, not more holding back. So whatever we can do to unlock those doors that make us hold back through this workshop, I'm so happy and proud to do that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, a lot of times complacency is people's worst enemy. For sure. My dad says all the time that, you know, you're your worst enemy. That is the truth, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, I mean, I'm sure you have seen it all the time where it's just the only person holding someone back is themselves. Yeah, it starts between your ears, right? You know, yeah. it starts like you you have a task that you that's put in front of you and immediately the self-talk starts. And it's either positive or negative. It's usually almost never neutral. And oftentimes it is pretty negative, especially for students, you know, in academia. It's super common because if you think about it, what are you guys doing all the time? You're being tested, you're being evaluated, you're being assessed, and you're doing that for others in some cases. It's a constant state of looking at yourself and judging yourself. And a lot of times we judge ourselves to be below the line rather than above the line. And, you know, social media does not help this at all, Mm -hmm. right? Because when you take a look at what's happening on social media, it's always positive. It's an extreme. It's It's an extreme. extreme. And so it keeps the, you know, the imposter thoughts aflame. Like it it Mm -hmm. just, it keeps them going. Yeah, no, and I'm sure, especially on social media, I mean, at the end of the day, social media could be like the real imposter. I mean, you have... (laughs) A, a facade developing on all right. these Instagram posts where people use Photoshop and especially for women. I mean, you see it on magazine covers all the time where, you know, it's presenting a body image that's a lot of times unreachable. I mean, but it looks so easy. It's a quick post and you look at it and you say like, oh, what's the immediate thought? Like, why can't I? Mm-hmm. And it's something that we call ridiculously high standards that we set for ourselves. That's a problem. We have these ridiculously high standards that come from either social media, they come from possibly our parents, maybe in a loving way even, you know, they're intrinsic, they come from ourselves. And then we almost set ourselves up for something catastrophic. And if we do well, we say, oh, no, that wasn't me. That was just, I just happened to be the right place at the right time or, you know, something like that. And it's all, it's kind of a little nutso, right? Like it's a little bit of a, of a cycle that if you sit back and look at it, it's like, wow, what can I do to change this? You know, mm-hmm. right. And and we all really need to see ourselves as neither like amazing or horrible. Right. That it's a spectrum. Right. And that we are on this spectrum and that sometimes we make mistakes and it's all right. We pick ourselves up because we happen to be human. And so if you're not good at everything, you're actually a member of the human race. And we walk around with the, this fictitious ideal that we need to be amazing. And I'm not sure why yeah, this culture right. that we live in has told us this. Right. Every moment is judged and every moment has to be, I say to my kids all the time, not every day is Christmas, you know? <laughs> like not everything is going to be stellar. Not every day you get the presents and it's really awesome. You have to allow some chill time, some neutral thoughts, some relaxed forgiving thoughts about yourselves. And a lot of that comes from the growth mentality. You know, if we make a mistake, we feel like, oh my gosh, you know, that was a, that was a big mistake. That was rather than saying, oh my gosh, what a great opportunity to learn. I was actually watching uh, Valerie Young's TED Talk. Oh, sure. And yes. she said non-imposters realize that, you know, they can't be brilliant at everything. 
Yes. And that a lot of times people feel as though they are imposters. They'll be like, what am I doing here? Yes, I for sure. I don't deserve this. Yeah. It's a subconscious. And yeah, a lot of times you don't, don't even know you're doing it. You don't. Until you guys come around, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. You can notice. One, for us, we always say, you know, step one is notice those thoughts, right? So you were saying, you know, um, you walk around trying to be brilliant all the time. Well, notice that. Like, notice that. Even when you, you know, like walk into your dorm room or you get in your car, we always are having these ideals in our heads that we're walking around with. And we need to confront them mm-hmm. and observe them and say, like, hmm, that's an interesting thought. And then moving on from that is is saying, like, what's a different thought I could have, you know, rather than be like, you know, I'm going to walk into my dorm room and crank out that paper right now. I'm going to do it in four hours and it's just going to be, I mean, it's an A plus, you know, and have that expectation. How about I'm going to walk in and have a good start to this paper right now. You know, it's a different thought. Absolutely. But you know what? If nobody ever tells you that your thoughts can change your trajectory in life, right? And your, your feeling about yourself and ultimately your achievement. Yeah. Then you stay, you stay stuck in mired in those negative thoughts. It and goes like, unnoticed. It goes, goes unnoticed. unnoticed. Yeah. yeah. And like, thank goodness for Valerie Young who wrote the book Secret Thoughts of Successful Women. Yeah. Because I think I think without her taking a real hard look and doing some research on what this what imposter syndrome is all about, I, I don't know if if you know we'd really be understanding it as well as we did. So thank you, Valerie Young. Yeah, for sure. Valerie did the great groundbreaking work. Well. She she wasn't the first to discover it, but she really brought it to the public eye. And now there's a huge resurgence of it. People are really picking up on it. And when I say people, I think mostly, you know, college students and young professionals are really interested in imposter syndrome because they identify with it. Do you do you find that or definitely? I mean, I'm coming to scene hall. There's some days I'll wake up here and wow, how did I get here? Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty prestigious place, right? But I mean, it's just the fact that it's happening so commonly where, you know, you don't even know what it's called. And then after I started reading on it, you know, Time Magazine is reporting on it now. Mm -hmm. They have whole videos about it. Mm -hmm. And after you kind of get introduced to it, you can kind of just point out like, hey, you know, you really do deserve to be here. And, you know, you're the imposter. For mm-hmm. sure. You know, well, um, you're doing good work already. You didn't even come to our work. Yeah, yeah. I, I got to applaud you, DJ. Yeah. Really. I mean, it sounds like your head is really not in the, you know, in the fraud uh, thoughts and that you, you actually do have a mindful take on where you are. So that's terrific. Well, yeah, I mean... Like everybody, it varies. You know, some yeah. days, <laughs> sure. Some yes. days you'll wake up confident. It's not always ever. Christmas, right? Exactly, yeah. it's not exactly. always Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you mentioned like the self-talk in your head, mm-hmm. and so like it's just like your subconscious telling you. Is it? Oh well, you talk yeah. to yourself. Well, you know, I mean, you got an hour. We could talk about the subconscious and the role <laughs> that that plays in negative self-talk. But basically, we have these tapes that go on in our head up till up until about the age of seven. Our subconscious mind is developing. We're taking everything in and we're not judging it at all. And we're just taking it all in as fact and creating our world with with those facts. And then after the age of seven, the conscious mind can kind of kick in and and discern these. This is not always good. This is not always bad, you know, like uh, those sorts of things. But the but the subconscious mind was meant to just keep us alive. Right. So 
when you're operating on that and, and those tapes are running, you're, you're just basically trying to survive and, and keep going and move forward as much as you can. But stay safe. That's really what the subconscious mind does and negative self-talk does. We, though, because we're a little older, have the... No. And I mean you, too. I mean, we're older than seven. If you're older <laughs> yeah. than seven, you have the ability to use your conscious mind, which is what we engage in our workshop. You have the ability to use your conscious mind to look at those thoughts and say, hold on a second. Do do I deserve to be here? Is this is this really where I belong right now? One of the things we want people to do is to take a real careful look at what those negative self-talk thoughts are like, right? And so we're going to actually ask people to think about some of their achievements and what kinds of thoughts they had going on in some of those experiences while they were achieving things. Mm-hmm. And then we'd like to give people strategies for changing the negativity into positivity. And so these might sound hokey to some people, but they work. And mindfulness is like the new rage, right? And there's a reason because it actually works. And so the idea is to mindfully think about the words you say to yourself and how you can mindfully change them and to practice them. And so one of the things we are going to be talking about is how to actually talk to yourself in the positive. A lot of people don't even know how to do that. So some studies have shown that actually using the word I when you talk to yourself is less potent than talking to yourself in the third person using your name. So saying something like, Lee Moore, you just made a mistake, but you can move on, is more powerful than saying, I made a mistake. There's something about about it that gives us some space from actually the potency of what really happened, the enormity of it. It doesn't feel as heavy when we talk about ourselves in the third person. So I give you that as a strategy for considering to try and overcome imposter syndrome. Yeah. And, you know, they say mistakes are your best teacher. And I could see how that would help. When you say I made a mistake, you're really holding yourself accountable. I mean, a lot of times you'll victimize yourself in it. And so by taking yourself out of the Mm-hmm. out of the conversation a little bit, mm-hmm. you, know, you could develop a little bit more of a perspective. That's you right. It. It's yeah. all about perspective. Here at Bucino, I mean, we do a lot of peer review and kind mm. of working to criticize each other. But um, sometimes you, know, you could take criticism or anyone could take criticism too harshly. And that could be because of imposter syndrome. And like, isn't that a part of it? Like, can you overcome that in any way? I think that, first of all, I think giving and receiving criticism or feedback is an art, both the receiving and the giving. And I think it's about, again, taking a step back and taking a look at all of your achievements, all of the great work that you have done in whatever area of your life, all right? So maybe it's academics. Um, One of the things we talk about in our workshop is creating a brag sheet. Mm. I love this idea. And this is something that we can that people can can start to do themselves. So a brag sheet is an Excel sheet that has a, a column for date, a column for an individual who told you something good, what it was, and who said it, and how it made you feel. And so nobody sees this brag sheet. It's only for you. As a matter of fact, you password protect it, so you make sure nobody sees it. And anytime anybody tells you something it good about something you've done, you jot it in there. And then in six months, you go back and you look at it and you feel like a million bucks. 
so that when you receive negative criticism about yourself, you can go back to that brag sheet and say, okay, but that was this one time that I got this negative feedback. Look, but look at all this amazing other feedback that I got. What was like, I'm going to assume everyone here has felt imposter syndrome and yeah. the effects of it. I have. At least 100 times. Yes, for uh, sure. Today, you mean, right? You mean <laughs> today? A little bit. When was it the worst for you? Like what, when when did you have that big like boulder and you had to just climb it? For me, I think during my college years, it was really difficult. That negative self-talk was really hard to overcome. I didn't know that it existed. I just thought that it was the truth. So I will give you a quick example. I took French in college and the college I went to was big on study abroad and everybody was going to the to the um, country that where they learned their language to finally speak and become fluent. And I was held back. I wasn't chosen to go. And instead of challenging that belief, I I held back and I just said, you know what, that professor's right. Now, I could have gone to like BU's program or Syracuse's program or a different program. I didn't do that. I I believed in that. And I said, you know what, I'm going to buy into that. I'm going to I'm going to not let I'm going to let that become my reality. And so for me, that's a big boulder for me. What about you? Lina? Yeah, I have a I have a boulder too that I'll be sharing in our workshop, which is that after college, I had my eye on, on a graduate school program and it was a really good one. And it was the only one I wanted to go to. But I kept seeing people get into it who I thought were better than me, right? Who had, who had achieved more, whose grade point average was higher, who had done more professionally. And I was convinced that I could not get into that program. Now, I didn't apply. Instead, what I did was I took non-matriculated classes. I took one non-matriculated class and I got a perfect 4-0 in that class. And I still didn't apply. I then took another class. I got another 4-0. I still didn't apply. I then took another class. I took three non-matric classes in this master's program and then thought, all right, maybe now that they've seen that I've done well in these three classes, maybe now they'll accept me. And then I applied and I got in. But the point of the story is that I worked much harder, used up many more resources of time and money than I needed to. And I didn't even try, right? Because the imposter thoughts, the feeling that I was a fake, that I was a fraud, that I couldn't get in, were so, so strong. And nobody told, told me about imposter syndrome. Nobody coached me on, you know, the idea that I could even speak to an admissions counselor or I could give it a whirl and actually apply. Nobody was saying any of that to me. And I wish they had. Right. Because you would have tried harder. I would have tried. You would, you would have tried a different way. Like, there's not only one way ever to do really anything. So you would have tried something different. But we just become a prisoner then to our own thoughts. And we create our own prison of playing it small and just holding back and not getting our great work out there. And, and part of the American culture, too, is like, do it yourself. Totally. Yes. Totally. Help. Work really hard. And that's one of the hallmarks. Lee Moore had said it a couple of times already in this podcast, and I'm so glad she did because that's my hallmark trait too, is <laughs> I work super hard. This is the strategy for imposter syndrome. You work really hard so that when people say, you know what, this isn't good enough, you can say, well, I worked really hard. And then you you don't have to say, I'm not good enough. Like, ah, I, I tried, you know, a little bit. It's a defense mechanism to do that. And I think, um, I know I did it when I was in college. And I probably did it this week already, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's a hard habit to break. But again, like we say, if you're aware of it, that is step one. And you're way better off than you are not being aware of it. So at least stick with that. I think a part of it is, uh, you know, you look back at it and it's like, 
would I change anything? You know, like I did everything in my power. Yes. And at the end of the day, you know, you work hard, you have fun. With the imposter syndrome, it's like you're taking it all out of proportion. Yes. A hundred percent. Exactly. Yeah. You take it out of proportion. You take all of the bad and you say, look at that. Mm -hmm. You know, I Mm -hmm. cannot. This is why I can't. Rather than turning your head the other way and saying, but this is why I can't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, looking at the the spectrum and that it's a huge spectrum between amazing and absolutely horrible. There's many different steps along that spectrum. So are, are those boulders what drove you to kind of pursue this kind of field? Because, you know, it just it's such a specialized field. And I mean, there aren't many people in it or mm-hmm. not. Not that I've known. I mean, I, I've seen Valerie Young's work. I've seen your work. Yeah. So more people from different generations, which I think is really great, from baby boomers uh, all the way down to Gen Z are starting to talk about it and become experts on it. For me, I am just, I just love talking about being in your peak state. And I love Mm -hmm. talking about using your brain as the best success tool that you have, but also you can use your brain to hold you back as well. So as a writer, I write for, my my favorite things to write on are productivity, leadership, success, all those sorts of things. So what's a huge impediment to your success? Imposter syndrome is really huge. And especially as a woman, we didn't really talk about this. A lot of people have it and if and women have it more often than men. So Yeah, unfortunately what we know is that women will diminish their achievements even though they actually have achieved a lot. And men will inflate their achievements, even though they may not have achieved a lot. Yeah, there was research done on that, and it's an interesting study. And it and it's the truth, and maybe it's kind of a chicken and egg thing. Like, does that did that come first, or you know, did the imposter syndrome come first? We don't really know. It's a phenomenon that that we're all living with and dealing with. And I think the most important thing to remember is to have compassion for one another. You know, to to, to totally get it. Like, you know, if somebody's bragging to you that they're doing really well and they're they're just having the best time, have compassion for them because they might inside need to know that not every day is Christmas kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like they might be having a really hard time inside. And if somebody is holding back and say you're in a study group and somebody's holding back and like not doing, not pulling their weight, have compassion for them because they might be working through some of this really hard stuff. And um, it's it's worth it to just lend an ear and listen to them and um, inspire each other. You're so inspiring. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is why I do things with you. And also, I love this sentence: using your brain as your best success tool. Mm, yeah, fabulous. Yeah, it really is. It's not even your body, right? It's, no, no, it's no. not your skill set. We all have access yeah. to the same skills, right? Like you have a computer, you can learn as much as I do. Your brain is holding you back. It's the key to your success. And I'm also a really big habits person. That's another thing I love to write about. You can train your brain and make a habit Mm -hmm. of speaking in the positive to yourself. You really can. It only takes three weeks to create a habit. For the habit to stick, I should say. For the habit to stick. So if you try and change those thoughts every day, you deliberately commit to this. Changing those thoughts every day writing down the negative ones, reworking them, saying them out loud, not using the eyes, putting some distance between yourself and the actual thought. You do that every day for three weeks. I have a feeling the imposter syndrome might go right out the window. Right. Definitely take a back seat for sure. Yeah. And it it seems almost as in, in today's society that it's easier to make a complaint than compliment somebody. Oh, if you complain, yeah, 
Yeah, people <laughs> people want to join with you if you totally complain, right. It's Misery loves company. So much more fun for yes. some reason. It's a lot of fun. Well, it's it's that drama. It's that feeling of like you know I feel your pain. Like let's jump in there together. You know you are the outlier if you say well it's actually not so bad. Yeah. You know like in a, in a positive way you are the outlier and that might not feel so comfortable. But that's that's a really interesting observation that yeah maybe it's becoming maybe it's become the norm because we are a society of you know that that kind of tends to complain. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, why are we keeping up with the Joneses? It's a fictitious ideal. It's an ideal that we, we don't even, it doesn't even exist. Yeah. So there's, there's no sure. Joneses to keep up with. Everybody makes mistakes. It's widely agreed that keeping up with the Joneses is, you know, it's not healthy. Right. For, for anybody. And right. Yet we have it in our subconscious that we still got to do it. We still have to keep up with the Joneses. It's programmed in there. Yeah. Programmed. Get that program out. You know, you can, you can rewrite that that script for sure you you just have to be really really conscious and aware to do it yeah it's i guess it's all about making good habits training your brain yes training your brain yeah yeah me too yeah so besides your own publications are there any books that you would recommend to undergraduate leaders any podcasts oh yeah well you will totally believe this one i listen to a podcast called the successful mind and that is a podcast by David Nagel. And I try not to miss one. I'll tell you guys right now, he can rub some people the wrong way. And he did for me for a long time. His teachings are brilliant. He, is, he can really help you get to the bottom of your core beliefs and take that quantum leap with your success if you want to. I've been working on a quantum leap for a good, good three years now. And, it's, uh, and I'm getting there. I'm getting there. You can get there, Amy. Yeah, totally. I'm doing it. Do you have any? Yeah, I mean, I have two people that I try to follow occasionally. Brene Brown. Mm, for sure. She's amazing. She's just, I can't say anything else about her. Just just look her up. Watch watch a video of hers. Yeah, um, yeah. She wrote the book Daring Greatly. And does she have a podcast? She probably well? does have a podcast. Yeah, she probably does. And then, of course, Malcolm Gladwell. I mean, but these are big names. Malcolm Gladwell, who's written a lot about, you know, the psychology uh, of work. Mm-hmm. And um, Blink wrote Blink and mm-hmm. some other really well-known works, and and I then like for him. I think if anybody's a psychology major out there or interested in how the mind works, I think the uh, adult development theory is a really really interesting one. Okay, thinking that our um, it's not a podcast or a book, just kind of Google it. There are some great articles on Medium about it, and I write with about it with one of my clients, and it's phenomenal. It's the idea that we are not done with our development when, you know, we get out of high school or college. When you're in the workplace as a leader, as a developing leader, you are still developing your personality. You are still developing your coping skills. You're developing a lot of things, but you're doing it with your coworkers. And nobody really thinks about that. And I think once you start to think about it that way, the way you lead and the way you work become totally different and you use it as an opportunity to make yourself better, more more sharp, more empathetic, just more of a beautiful, more authentic, more you. And it really benefits you and those around you. Mm-hmm. So I would look that up. Yeah, Brene Brown talks a lot about authenticity. Mm-hmm. And that that's what we are aiming for here, right? The real you to come out. And Cy Wakeman is another really wonderful podcaster. I think she has a podcast. But she's written a lot about accountability. And she writes about how accountability is, is not a skill set, but that accountability is a mindset. 
Yeah. Uh, what other thought leaders do you follow, uh, whether it's on social media or, or the news or if you have any mentors? Mm. I follow a bunch of people on social media. I think it's really important to have your feed set up for your success. I follow maybe like one person that looks really good on Instagram and everybody else is just a normal looking person with a lot of great ideas about how to, to overcome tragedy, um, sidestep drama, uh, make yourself the best you. Mel Robbins is super. She's in my feed all the time. She might be, she's, she's a woman that was at bankruptcy. You know, she was, I believe she was an alcoholic, or at least she says a couple of times that she dealt with things through drinking. So we'll, we'll just assume there that that was a problem for her. She's in my feed every day and telling me how awesome I am and what a great job I'm doing. And I have no problem letting you know that I believe her. I think, you know, like, why not, right? Like, instead of looking at other stuff that makes you feel bad about yourself, what makes you feel good about yourself? So she's definitely somebody that I would lift up there. And then I also follow uh, Don Miguel Ruiz, who wrote The Four Agreements. That is a really, that was a really great book. And then he also has social media. Do you know it, Limor? No. The Four Agreements, I might not be able to spout all four of them, but um, they really help you become someone that's in line with your beliefs. So the premise is that everything that's in your reality, you're agreeing with, mm. that you're, you know, agreeing that for right now, like we're agreeing that we should be talking about positive self-talk right now. That's something I definitely would agree on. Your thoughts create reality. So you are agreeing with everything. So the four agreements you need to make with yourself, don't get excited that I'm going to say all four, but I'm going to definitely know number you one. You can do it, Amy. I could do it. Um, let the imposter thoughts kicking. <laughs> number one, be impeccable with your word. And that is something that I am. That was my 2020 goal this year. We're starting out early and we're starting out right. It's going well so far. I can tell you guys. Be impeccable with your word. Never make assumptions is, I believe, number two. So don't make any kind of assumptions. Oh, you know, she thinks I'm stupid. Well, don't assume that. Go talk to her. See what's going on. Always do your best is number four. I don't know, guys, if we can come up with number three. But those four agreements, I definitely think are super guidelines for your life. I love Tony Robbins. I mean, he's, you know, the age-old, you know, really mm -hmm. well-known motivational speaker. And what a voice he has. And what a voice and personality <laughs> and, you know, yeah. and his, you know, and, and really in his, his background and, you know, really difficult yeah. upbringing and... Yeah. Um, actually, I used to listen to him a lot. I think I might go back to listening yeah. to him. And he's got great stuff for all aspects of your life, not only business, but just financial stuff. He's got a lot of great free tools that I think your audience would be really would really benefit by looking into just how to handle your finances and feel good about that and know that you're doing the right thing with your money. So I think that that's that's another big part of success, isn't it? Definitely a lot of horror stories with the uh, yeah. eighteen year olds coming out into the financial uh, yeah. world. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. Thank you, Amy and Limor. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. It's a pleasure, pleasure. Yes, is all ours. Thank Absolutely. you so much. So much fun it to was talk about really this interesting. Stuff. Yeah, great to meet you, DJ.